Hello there, this is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. All right, all right. Well, I want to start today's episode and talk about a book that a lot of people talk about uh, and sort of the, the book itself, a lot of the, 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 the words in it and a lot of the ideas in it have kind of wiggled their way into just common uh, common speech and, and all of that. And that's the book uh, 1984. Now, I might get some of the details wrong here. And if I do, excuse me, it's been a long time since I've read the book. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, I read this book in school. Yeah, I think I did. I think I read this book in high school, which I wonder if they, if they still have this book as part of the curriculum. Probably not. Probably not. Probably high schoolers are reading like Encyclopedia Brown now or something like that. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of really intelligent high schoolers out there. Sorry if, uh, if you are a high schooler. I'm not, I'm not trying to impugn you. Um, not at all. Not at all. But anyway, the book 1984, it's about socialism, like a pure f- uh, form of socialism. And uh, it's a terrifying book. There's a lot of terrifying parts in the book. But I remember there's one part in particular that stuck with me for a long time. And it even still does. It's, it's chilling, this part of this, uh, of this book. And in it, um, he's in the, uh, the Ministry of Love, the, the, the main protagonist, uh, the, the main character, Winston. He's in the Ministry of Love, which is actually a place where they torture people. <laughs> they call it the Ministry of Love, kind of like how the Department of Defense is actually uh, a department that wages war, offensive wars on other countries, kind of like that. Um, it's the opposite of what it says. But anyway, he's in this Ministry of Love, and he's being tortured um, ruthlessly, and he's been interrogated as well. And the whole point of all of this torture and all of this interrogation is that they want him to love the party. They want he wants the the party wants him to love Big Brother, and that is the symbol of the socialist party. Um, and so he asks the question. He gets an opportunity to speak with his interrogator and to ask him questions. And and the the question that he wants to know is, does Big Brother exist? And Big Brother is a propaganda image that he just kind of, his image is everywhere. He looks at you. He's like peering into your soul. But uh, Winston, the main character, isn't even sure if he really exists because the party was fabricating all kinds of information. In fact, he was part of it. His job was to fabricate news articles and to change news articles when people were... um, when people were were murdered, you know, because they they, they they didn't think according to party thought patterns, they 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 committed thought crime, they committed sex crime, you know, things like that. People would be disappeared, and so what he would do, one of Winston's jobs was that he would go back into all of the newspapers that referenced this particular person and change the details. He would literally change history according to the records, anyway. Um, and so he asks, does does Big Brother exist? And his interrogator says, of course he exists. The party exists, and Big Brother is the embodiment of the party. Now, Winston, he hears that answer, and he, he realizes it doesn't really answer his question. I mean, of course the party exists. He, he rec- recognizes that much. The English Socialist Party, Ingsoc, of course it exists. And this guy is telling him that Big Brother is the embodiment of the party, and so because the party exists, Big Brother exists. But that's not really what Winston was driving at. What he was driving at was... And, and he asks him, he says, does he exist in the same way I exist, right? You know, flesh and blood, right in front of you, you can touch me. And that's what he wants to know. Does Big Brother exist in that way? And, and this next sentence 
has stuck with me for a long time. His interrogator says, looks at him and says, you do not exist. You do not exist. That's a weird sentence when you think about it, because it's actually self-refuting. It's just kind of absurd on the face of it. Like, how can you say you do not exist? By saying you, you're affirming my existence. Who's the you? If, 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 if you don't exist, if I don't exist, who, who are you saying, who are you speaking to? right? Who's the you? So what he's talking about here, the interrogator, when he says that Winston doesn't exist, is a couple things. This this is working on a couple different levels. Number one, in in socialism, what really matters is the group, right? So each person, each individual is a a part of a whole. And so there's, you know, the, the party exists, of course. And so Big Brother exists because he's the embodiment of the party. But really, the organism that exists is the party itself. And the individuals in the party are interchangeable. They're, they're like members of the party, but they really have no real existence. They don't really matter more than the party itself. So the diversity of the party doesn't really matter. It's the unity of the party, and, and it's unity of the mind, unity of thought. And that's why thought crime was such a serious crime. That's why you could be killed for it, because if you're not thinking according to the hive mind of the party, then, well, you're not even a real person. You're not even worthy of life. But that's not really what he was saying. What had happened to Winston, why he was in this ministry of love, he had become what the party described as an unperson, an unperson. And what that meant is that he was erased from the databanks. Anything that ever mentioned Winston, his birth certificate, any kind of news stories he was in, his old job, his IDs, everything like that was being stricken from the record systematically. And it was as if he didn't even exist ever. See, the party controlled the history. Therefore, they controlled uh, the future as well. They controlled the present, the past, and the future. Everything that the party said was so, was so, according to everyone in the party. And if you didn't agree, if you had your own thoughts like Winston did, well, then you were an unperson. You didn't exist. You had no existence whatsoever. And so that stuck with me. You do not exist. And these, th- this party was so arrogant to think that they could actually control history in this way. And so what I want to talk about today is the fact that we have unpeople today. We have unpeople today, and it's not as it's not as nefarious as the party. Like like we don't have um, you know organizations that erase you from the the, the record books. They, they they delete your birth certificate. They delete all of your records, your social security number, or things like that. That's not how we have unpeople today. We have unpeople today by doing other things, and what we do is certain people, certain classes of people, are completely ostracized from the conversation completely. And it's, 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 it's done in such a way as to, if you're part of this class of people, you are completely discredited. You're not worth engaging. You're not worth taking, ta- being taken seriously. And that's a real problem today. Here's, a, um, here's an article from, from BuzzFeed. Yeah, you, you probably could get this a lot of other places as well, but it's, it talks about how Facebook and Instagram are banning what they call far-right influencers. And, you know, the, the group of people here is Alex Jones, Paul Joseph Watson, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Laura Loomer. Now, they're not the only ones who've been banned from social media platforms and things like that, but these are the ones that were banned the other day, and, and they're called far-right influencers. Now, the funny part about this is that, that some of these people I know for a fact are not far-right. <laughs> so th- this is just, you know, what they say. But, but, but the reality is that 
And so, so here's what they say. Face, Facebook spokesperson says, we've always banned individuals or organizations that promote or engage in violence and hate, regardless of ideology. Now, to me, this is an attempt to make peop, make Laura Loomer, to make Paul Joseph Wasson's unpersons. They're unpersons. And it's not in the same degree as the Ministry of Love. Like, they weren't being erased from the databanks, but they don't want... They, they're, they're, their opinions, their personalities are so heretical, according to Facebook, that they can't even engage. They're not even worth engaging. You don't, you should not listen to them. It's as if they do not exist on their platform. And you might say, well, that's not a big deal. It's a Facebook platform, right? And to some degree, it's not a big deal. And to some degree, it's not a big deal. But what about this one? What about this one? Here's Chase Bank, who's removed the ability to process payments from, among other people, Gavin McInnes because of his opinions, because of his, uh, what they call, alt-right white nationalist opinions. He's, uh, this guy's the founder of the Proud Boys. Okay. And so um, he's an unperson, according to Chase Bank. He cannot do business with Chase Bank, and he cannot do business with Chase Bank customers using a Chase Bank credit card or a Chase Bank account or a payment processing through Chase Bank. This is a little bit more serious, I would say. You know, Facebook is one thing. Now, you know, you can't share cat photos or whatever on Facebook, but this is way more serious. I mean, this is, I mean, commerce and, 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 and being able to engage in the economy is a fundamental thing that every human being needs to do. In fact, it's so fundamental that the Bible talks about the mark of the beast, which is primarily an economic sanction. If you, if you don't have this mark, you, you, you can't buy or sell. And, and the reason why that is so serious is because buying and selling economic activity is one of the primary ways we engage in the world as people. And so when you say, well, you can't do that with this platform, I mean, you're taking away one of those fundamental things, activities of people. You become an unperson. Now, now here's the thing about, let's go back to Facebook for a minute, because again, you might think this is not that big of a deal, but it, but it, it kind of is, to be honest. It kind of is, to be honest. Because you might say, well, yeah, Alex Jones, he's a conspiracy theorist, and Paul Joseph Watson is, is associated with him, and Milo Indianapolis, he's just a jerk, and Laura Loomer, she sucks, and, and all of that. But, but, the, but the reality is that, that, that these people are, are not that extreme. You know, they, they, they have opinions that are maybe distasteful, and you might not like them, uh, but these people aren't really that extreme. And to call these people far-right influencers, who do you think is going to be labeled a far-right influencer in the not-too-distant future? Who do you think is going to be labeled extreme in the not-too-distant future by, by Facebook and, and these other social media platforms? I mean, these days, it's, it's, it's far-right extremism to say that boys have penises and girls have vaginas. You know, the, the, <laughs> these days, it's, 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 it's an extreme position to say, well, you know, we should probably have separate bathrooms for people who are biologically male and female. I mean, that's an extreme position these days. I mean, I mean, it's an extreme position to say that if your if your uh, if your four year old tells you that he's actually not a boy, he's a girl. It's an extreme position to say, yeah, I don't want to give him hormone treatments. I don't think he gets to determine that. That's an extreme position. You don't think that that's, that people describe that kind of an opinion as hateful, as inciting violence? Listen to this quote: "We've always banned individuals or organizations that promote or engage in violence." and hate regardless of ideology. 
Don't you think that Christians, by this definition, all Christians who hold to biblical ethics, biblical sexuality, biblical views of marriage, biblical views about abortion, could easily be described by Facebook as promoting violence and hate? Don't you think so? And so, 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 so you're next. And here's the thing. Okay, you can't post on Facebook anymore. But, but here's why this actually does matter. Because at the end of the day, Facebook's a private company and, and Instagram is, is owned by Facebook. These are private companies. And so the libertarian in me says, well, they should be able to do whatever they want. If they want to uh, deny service to certain classes of people or whatever, I mean, I think it's stupid, but they should be able to do it because the, the government shouldn't get involved in that. And the libertarian in me philosophically does agree with that. But here's the reality. The government that we pay for with our taxes, and I don't say that taxes are legitimate, but, but we do pay for it, engage with people on social media. Some of the goods and services of, of the government that we pay for uses these platforms, uses Facebook, uses social media and things like that. And so to deny us access to this plat- platform is denying us access to some of those goods and services that we pay for. And, and so in many ways, Facebook and, and some of these other social media companies have become like the public square. And so to deny us access to the public square be- makes us, in effect, digital unpeople. And if you think this is not coming for just their standard everyday Christian and what they believe, then you're just not paying attention. And the sad part about this all is, is that we have Christians that I would agree with on so many things, very beneficial to the church in so many ways, that are low-key making certain Christians unpeople right now. Here we go. We have an article from Joe Carter. Kinism, cultural Marxism, and the synagogue shooter. He's got the requisite scary white man picture with the gun. I think it looks like a shotgun. I'm not an expert on firearms. I do own an AR-15. Um, but this looks like a shotgun to me, and, and you know he's got the very scary, scary white man with long blonde hair in this picture. Very, very, very propaganda-ish, very propaganda-ish. And this article is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous article. And I'm not going to refute this article point by point. I've seen a lot of different refutations of this article. People have challenged him on, on factual grounds. People have said that, that he's uh, plagiarized the main ideas of this article. I don't know if any of that's true. I don't know the history too much about the, the, the terms cultural Marxism. So, um, you know, it seems like people have pretty soundly refuted him on, on those grounds. And he's kind of backtracked a little bit and tried to further explain himself and all of that. So, so whatever. I mean, I'm not going to refute it that way. That's that's really not what I'm interested in anyway. You know, when I um, when I said I was going to do a video on this, Joe, he, he kind of got defensive, a little bit defensive. Joe, you need to cool it, man. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, I'm excited to watch your video and hear you explain that those of us who were around when Lind was peddling his garbage are mistaken and that conservatives couldn't have been influenced by him because you've never heard of him before. That should be worth watching. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Joe, but that's actually not what I was planning on saying in this article or this video, rather. Not at all. Um, that would be that would be very illogical for me to say that um, I couldn't have been influenced by someone that I don't know, because actually that would actually undermine a lot of my uh, my my channel. You know, at the end of the day, I'm the argument that I'm making is that many people at the Gospel Coalition and the ERLC have been influenced by uh, Marxism, have been influenced by critical theory, and may, some of these people might not even know anything about these things or the people involved or things like that, even though they have been influenced by their ideas. That's definitely possible. Definitely possible. So sorry, Joe, I'm not going to uh, answer that question. That's really not the point. However, I did include a gift that I created here from Sargon Avakad. 
Consider It Done, a really funny uh, video in case you haven't seen it. But anyway, uh, here's, there's a reason why I included Mr. Sargon of Akkad here, because, because here's the thing. Let me, let me just read to you um, the, the main point of this, of this article. Ready? Here's Joe Carter's attempt at making people unpersons. Okay? Here's what he says. He says, when those on the political right make claims about the people at the Frankfurt School conspired to bring down Western culture or equate cultural Marxism with multiculturalism, they are, whether they recognize it or not, using the redefined and racialized meaning given by Lind. Of course, many Christians who use terms like cultural Marxism are not kinist. Many of them are merely repeating a term they heard used by fellow Christians and are unaware of the anti-Semitic and racialist origin. Yet, it's disconcerting when conservatives Christians use language that originated from a racist worldview perpetuated by anti-Semites. There are legitimate reasons to be concerned about ideas such as intersectionality that may undermine our country's moral order, but we need to warn about such dangers in a way that does not make us sound like we subscribe to an alt-right ethno-nationalist worldview. When pastors and other Christian leaders repeat the jargon coined by racists, we should not be surprised that kinists think their heresy will be welcome in our church as well. If you think that's a problem, wait till you get a load of me. Because I absolutely, the very first time I heard the term cultural Marxism, it was from one of two places. I can't remember. It was a while ago, but I can't remember. It was one of two. It was either Sargon of Akkad, who was an atheist um, liberal in England. He's either Sargon of Akkad or it was Red Ice TV. Red Ice TV. So these are, you know, self-described white nationalists. These are the typical with the way that the alt-right is typically caricatured it's these guys it's it's red ice tv and i used to watch a lot of red ice tv and i find many of their ideas quite abhorrent quite abhorrent um and so so <laughs> you know <laughs> so joe you know what you're right that's the first place i heard it from some people that would i guess call themselves conservatives far right alt-right there it is that's the first time I heard the term cultural Marxism. And guess what? Jimmy Crack Corn, and I don't care. <laughs> Jimmy Crack Corn, and I don't care. Because here's the reality. Joe, Joe is, is counting on you believing like he does that racists and kinists and, and white supremacists and alt-right, oh, that's the, that's the worst one, alt-right, Anyone like that that's labeled that way is essentially a digital unperson. They're an unperson. They they can't be involved in, in, in civilized society. They can't be involved in the conversation. They're to be deplatformed. They're to be uh, completely disregarded. And he's counting that you don't want to be labeled an unperson too. And so he's trying to associate this. He says, look, if you use these words, I know you might not be a kinist, but people are going to look at you as a kinist, and you don't want to be an unperson, do you? You don't want to be an unperson. You see, you see, here's the thing, though. I mean, look, the reality is that racists and kinists and alt-right people, they might have some good points. They might have... Some, some criticisms that are legitimate. In fact, I, I think there's all kinds of horrible people that have legitimate criticisms. You know, you know, leftists, liberals, progressives, Democrats, 
Those are those are very morally objectionable people, in my opinion. They're not unpeople to me. I don't think they should be deplatformed. I think they should be heard out, and you should you should listen to them and all of that kind of stuff. I don't have a problem with you watching leftist materials. I don't have a problem with you consuming leftist materials. If you want to uh, engage in that some of that propaganda, there's nothing wrong with that. I think these are objectionable, abhorrent people, many of them. But you know what? Some of them have some pretty good points about American imperialism. Some of them have some pretty good points about about uh, about the wars that we fight on foreign soils. Oh, of course, only when a Republican's in office. But but you know what I mean. Some of them have some pretty good points about the militarism of our country. Does that mean that that just because they 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 they, they I find a lot of their views abhorrent that they might not have a good point when it comes to American imperialism? And, and, and just because some people abuse that word, American imperialism, to mean basically everything that America has ever done has been wrong, people do abuse that term in that way. Does that mean that it's not a legitimate term to use? See, that, that's not how this works at all. I mean, and I think we all kind of know this. And look, you know, here, here, here's another reality that, that I think Joe should consider, especially considering some of his work that I know from Gospel Coalition. You know what term is often abused? And you know what term is used by filthy communists and Marxists and evil leftists and things like that? And the evil um, domestic terrorist organization Antifa? Antifa uses this term. Alt right. That's, that's a term that's all, all the time abused. That's, that's, that's a term that, that's abused constantly. And yet, there is an actual legitimate meaning for it. So do we have to now disavow that term? Because uh, all kinds of evil people who have all kinds of evil, abhorrent belief. I mean, Joe, these, a lot of these people, they believe it's okay to kill babies in the womb. And so that's where it was created. It's a term that has connotations for the left. And so if you use that term, Joe, are you now a progressive leftist? I mean, let's, let's have even scales here. It's hard for me to even understand why this even needs to be said, but people who have abhorrent views sometimes say things that are correct. They sometimes describe things correctly, and they sometimes can have a pretty accurate view of what problems are. And, and, and we need not worry about that. We need not worry. I don't, I don't feel like I need to hide the fact that the first place I heard the term cultural Marxism might have been on Red Eyes TV. I don't think there's any reason for me to deny that. Um, be, and, and you know, and, and if the worry here is is not being understood, that's one thing. Because at the end of the day, like we want to be understood. I'm not married to the term cultural Marxism. I just happen to think, and I think a lot of people agree with me that the term cultural Marxism is a very apt description of what is happening here. And a lot of times, when I, I don't use the, the term cultural Marxism that much, not because I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to be labeled a racist, not because of that. I just don't, I don't use it that much. But when I do use it, oftentimes I'll say, and it's really just Marxism. It's just Marxism. You know, I, I, it, I, I know we use the term cultural Marxism, but at the end of the day, it's just Marxism, and it's a really good description. It's a quick way to describe a situation that, and it's a very effective way to describe that situation. So we should use that term. You know what I mean? But I'm not married to it. I'm not married to it. And, and here's the thing. If he's worried that, that kinnists or racists are going to think that they have camaraderie with me um, over, over because I use the same terms that they do, you know, see, I'm not worried about that either because at the end of the day, I'm not a kinnist and I'm not a racist. And nobody could listen to me consistently who was a kinnist or a racist and agree with everything that I've said. Because I've said lots of things. I, I said many, many times that identitarianism, whether it's white identitarianism or black identit identitarianism, I find it abhorrent. Um, no kinnist could be comfortable, or you know, in, in my church, the, the way that I preach. It just wouldn't work that way. I'm not so 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 
I think that a lot of these people, these Red Eyes TV and stuff, they have some good points. But at the end of the day, I find some of their views abhorrent. And if you listen to the way I speak, you'll know that. And, and the reality is I'm not concerned of being labeled a racist by people who, who first they just hear the word and then they won't hear anything else that I say. I can't control that kind of stuff. I'm not worried about it. Just like Joe Carter isn't worried about people who hear him use the term alt-right and, and say, well, he's just another leftist progressive you know, ideologue because he's using the same term alt-right. When he thinks, I'm sure he thinks that that term alt-right has, is a very apt description of what he's talking about. You, you, you see what I'm saying? I'm not worried about the crazies. You know, what I'm worried about is being understood by as many people as possible and using the best language that I can find to, to describe a current situation. That, that's what I'm worried about. So, so what I'm worried about is, is, is what's, what's the idea behind it? Is the idea behind Marxism or cultural Marxism, is it antithetical to the scriptures? I think it is. And I think uh, uh, many times demonstrated that in my videos, you know, because Marxism isn't a biblical term, right? But there are sins, biblical sins, inherent in the idea of Marxism. And it's the same way with social justice. I'm not objecting to people using the term social justice. I mean, don't misunderstand me. If you use the term social justice, but the ideas behind it are actually biblical, I have no beef with you. The problem is, though, that most people who use the term social justice and say that they mean biblical things, when you actually get down to brass tacks, they don't mean biblical things. They don't mean, mean biblical things. They, they're, they're talking about economic equality. They're talking about income equality. They're talking about wealth equality. They're talking about Marxism. And so, no, Joe, I don't care if... Some racists use the term too. If it's an apt description, I'm going to use it as well. You can't, un I'm not afraid of being unpersoned. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not afraid of it. And this article is, is so shameful. It's so ridiculous because what it's counting on, it's, it's, it's trying to, it's a very sneaky tactic. It's trying to win an argument by putting that specter of you're, you're going to be unpersoned giving legitimacy to all of these, these these wackos that everyone is is alt-right everyone is extreme right everyone's a white supremacist racist and it's going to try to put that taint on you so you think twice even though cultural marxism might be an apt description of this don't use the term because you don't want to be an unperson it also is kind of a kind of a low-key sort of tip tipping your hat uh, at, at a genetic fallacy. Now, he's not committing the genetic fallacy. He's not saying that because a racist uh, came up with this term that therefore it's wrong. But the impression, let's do a little speech act theory here. Let's do a little Tim Keller speech act. The impression he leaves you is with that you should be looking at suspicion with anyone who uses this term because after all, it's a racist term. You don't want to be unpersoned by platforming a racist or, or, or hearing a racist out, do you? It's really, really sneaky. It's really ridiculous. I mean, this, this whole article is, 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 is full of just propaganda and poor argumentation. And so the answer is no. You're, you, well, here's the answer. You're right. I did hear this term from an alt-right person. And guess what? It doesn't matter. I don't care. And I'm not sure why it matters to you. What you should be cared about is the truth of the situation, the ideas behind it. Because if you can't agree with me that the ideas behind Marxism, whether it's cultural Marxism or just regular plain old Marxism, are antithetical to the scriptures, you can enunciate that and fight back against that, uh, then I'm sorry, we're on different planets. I think you can, which makes me really curious as to why you're trying to take away a term that very, very clearly describes this situation. I don't get that. I don't understand that. Maybe you're afraid of being unpersoned. I don't know, but I'm not.
Anyway, I hope this was helpful. God bless. Don't get to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. You know, I, I, I know we have a lot of fun here on uh, the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network and on my YouTube channel. You know, we, we try to make light of things and we try to, ha- you know, joke. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to fight, laugh, and feast. You know what I mean? And, and laugh is one of, one of the big parts of that. Um, but, but let me just say, say this as we finish up here today. This is a very serious issue. This, this game that Joe Carter's playing and this game that Facebook is playing and all of this stuff where, where, he, where he wants you to associate uh, with, with the term cultural Marxism, he wants you to associate race with that and he wants you to, to associate white supremacists and, 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 and anti-Semites with that. And then like with Facebook where, they, where, they, where certain people are unpersons and you don't engage them, you don't even give them res- the respect to hear their opinions. Look, <clears throat> this is a dangerous game because here's the thing. You know, and I'm going to I'm going to take, you know, alt-right, for example, you know, people can only be called alt-right, racist, white supremacist, bigots, people can only be deplatformed so much or, or or shouted down so much uh, before they start to get pissed off. And, and, And the reality is like, like, I've been I've been consistent in my um, call for someone to talk to me, someone from the social justice view to talk to me, because I am, I really do want to have this conversation. I want to see people, I want to have people see both sides of this conversation and see who is more consistent, who's, um, whose ideas can stand up to scrutiny, whose ideas are more biblical. I want them to see it side by side with give and take and interaction. I want them to see it desperately because if people don't see it desperately, that's when people start to get crazy. When people are shouted down, when people are deplatformed, people can't engage in commerce anymore because they have the wrong ideas and they're called alt-right, they're called bigots, they're called white supremacists, and they know they're none of these things. But then we've got Joe Carter here that's you know, trying to sort of you know, make some kind of connection here. I'm not exactly even sure what his motivations are, what his goals are, but I'm telling you, it's a dangerous game because people will only be told to shut up so much before, I mean, you, you got to solve your problem some way. Christians should solve them with words. Christians should solve them with church discipline and things like that. That's how Christians should solve things. And I, and I trust that Christians on my side of this issue won't come to blows. But the reality is that, that if you can't talk about issues, if you can't talk through things and to see what's true and what's not and have a discussion and a debate, if you can't do that and everyone's just deep platform who has a certain icky opinion, there's only one other way to solve problems, and that's violence. And I really want to avoid that. I really do want to avoid that. But the reality is that the more people get deplatformed, the more people get unpersoned digitally and in other realms of life as well, it's, it's just looking more and more like that's going to be unavoidable. So this is a serious issue, and I wanted to make sure to say that at the end of this. <laughs>